When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, October 23rd. There is one storyline to monitor above all others this week in the pro tennis world. That, of course, is the race to the ATP Tour Finals. There are still four spots up for grabs in that race, and this week's ATP 500 events in both Basel and Vienna, they will certainly go a long way in determining who will capture those final four spots on today's show. For all of you listeners, what I want to do is preview each of those two draws, circle in on the players who have best positioned themselves for this year-end finals race, talk about each of their draws this week, and of course, look more broadly at these two events, offer you some predictions for how I see it all unfolding. Now, it's not going to be two parts here on Monday, but this show will relate closely to the show we have tomorrow as David Kane will be joining me to discuss the statistical cases for each of these players still remaining in the year-end finals race. We'll go through players 5 through 12, 13. I haven't officially determined yet how deep in the race we're going to go, but I want to lay out the case for each of these players. What have they accomplished throughout the course of the year, regardless of what they do this week. Have each of these players put together seasons worthy of top 10 consideration? Now, the points will be what they are anyway. Certainly, we're going to have eight players at the Tour Finals, whether we think pejoratively or figuratively these players put together top eight seasons or not. But I want to walk through the statistics. I want to compare resumes for each of these players. I can think of no better guest to help me do that than David Kane. So that will be tomorrow's show for all of you listeners. We'll lock in on players specifically as opposed to these events. That said, as these are the two things that I think will capture the most attention this week in the tennis world. I want to start the week by breaking down again these two ATP 500 draws in Basel, in Vienna, respectively. We already did have some round one results put up. Certainly things pretty steady in our early action. You look in Vienna, we already had a couple of seeds in play. Fifth-seeded Alex Zverev securing win number 50 of the season, obviously, for Zverev coming off of the ankle injury to so quick quickly return to top 10 form, a testament to his talent, a testament to the results he has put together. He is in the thick of the points race, and we can discuss what pathways 
exist for him this week to secure a top eight spot. But Zverev, Hatchinov, your seeds in action. A couple of other young players who have made pushes throughout the course of the year, all in competition in Vienna today. So we'll recap those results. We'll talk Basel as well. We had a couple of Americans in play. Owen, two on the day. Korda knocked off in three by Tomas Martin Echeverry. Eubanks out served by Jan Leonard Struff. But obviously the highlight result of the day, Andy Murray's 90-minute first set an ultimately straight set victory over Yana Kaufman, five and four victory for the former world number one. We can break down the mechanics of all of those early Basel results. And again, I want to offer you a look at what each of these two draws in Vienna Basel look like. We'll take a look at the tennis abstract singles forecast as well. Talk about its projections at, uh, for the week as we try to forecast everything that may unfold moving forward. Of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out is because because of the support we get from all of you listeners. Appreciate all of you who have, again, taken the time to go leave a five-star review, taken the time to uh, leave us a little note as well on Apple Podcasts, whether it be your thoughts on the shows we've already done or whether it be your thoughts on what you'd like to hear moving forward. Again, please feel encouraged to do that. It always helps us with the podcast formula. Gods always helps us with sponsors as well. We love hearing your feedback. Feel free to leave it both there or by following us on the various social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You know where to find us at Crack Rackets at, at A.L. Gruskin. Excuse me for me. Appreciate the support we get from all of you listeners. Also appreciate the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, again, quieter week on the WTA Tour. We do have a 125K event there, and we'll check in on that later in the week. But for now, let's focus on our two Tour Level 500 events. Let's start in Vienna. I love this draw. Uh, obviously, you've got top seed Daniil Medvedev, second seeded Yannick Sinner. You've also got third seeded Andre Rublev, fourth seeded Stefano Tsitsipas, fifth seeded Alex Virev. This is your next gen draw. This is the future that was promised when the ATP launched the next gen program back in 2017. All of these guys Medvedev, Hachinov, Tsitsipas, Paul. Ah! Uh, did Tommy Paul play a next-gen campaign? Francis Tiafo certainly did. Tommy was in the hunt. I don't think he ultimately qualified, though. But seven of the top eight seeds per, uh, participated in the next-gen campaign. And truth be told, all of the top eight seeds still have, given it's a 500-level event, given Paris is next week, given how thin the margins are, I'm going to throw Karen Hatchinov in saying he has an outside shot, certainly, but still a shot at the tour level finals coming up and look Hatchinov right now 15th Tommy's 12th you know you look at the other guys Zverev 7 Tsitsipas 6 Rublev 5 Medvedev Sinner have already clinched their spots talk about a loaded draw to end this season and again this speaks to the generational shift we are in the midst of all of these guys are still young enough that they're not skipping this portion of the calendar. They're playing these final two weeks because, again, all season long, we've been talking about the pecking order, or at least particularly over this last month. We know right now Alcaraz, Djokovic, Medvedev, Sinner, they're at the top of the game. But what is four through ten? look like. I think there's still some sorting out to do, and I think we're going to get some head-to-head opportunities between the guys who need to do the sorting over the course of these next two weeks. And given we're in the home stretch of the season, could you ask for anything more? You look at 
right now the top 20 in the points race, 18 of the top 20 players in the points race, 18 of the top 20. If you want to go beyond that, 22 of the top 25 are playing this week. Everyone but Djokovic, Alcaraz in the top 20, and then Alejandro Davidovich Fokina at 25. Everyone else is playing this week. I mean, come on now. Could you ask for anything more as a tennis fan? And Look, I mean, again, moving forward, the matchups are only going to get juicier. There were a few easy opportunities in round one for some of these top contenders to advance. And again, for Zverev to get win number 50 on his season, 4-1 and one over Sebastian Ofner. You know, I think there are some similarities. Ofner, probably the 0.7 version of Alex Zverev, has some trouble when pressured by pace with the forehand, but the backhand is elite. But Zverev has the first serve, the weapons to make life a little bit easier for himself, a little bit strong. You know, again, he was just better than Ofner at everything. It's a nice bounce back for Zverev. After he wins, uh, Chengdu obviously makes semifinals Beijing. He struggled over the next two first-round losses in Tokyo, Shanghai, respectively. Now back on indoor hard courts, where, of course, he's had so much success. Back in the winner's circle, pretty straightforward result for him. Pretty straightforward result for Yuri Lehechka as well. His serve, his plus one forehand, they were just better than J.J. Wolfs. And for Lehechka, who had lost three straight coming into this, losses to Medvedevich, Schwartzman, and Prismich, all guys outside the top 100 at the time of those matches, respectively. This was a good steadying of the ship. Again, his weapons, indoor hard courts, that's where Lehechka is probably going to be most effective right now. And yeah. He won over 70% of both his first and second serve points, faced just one break point in the match. Now, JJ converted that one break point, but Lehechka just out plus one him. Nice win for Lehechka. Again, 500 level first round points as he tries to consolidate a top 35 position to end the season. Your other straight set winners on the day. Shout out Karen Hatchinov, 4-4 four four over Roman Safulin. Again, I think it's safe to say Hatchinov healthy, playing some of his best tennis once again. Obviously, after the win in Zhuhai, lost three of his next four, but he got that title monkey off his back, winning his first since Paris in 2018. So, you know, a second round loss to Dimitrov. No shame in that in Shanghai. Straight set loss to Paparin in Tokyo, whatever. Bounces back here. Good win for him to start off this final indoor hardcourt stretch. And look, if Hatchinov's going to make a run to the points, uh, to the tour finals, he needs to win this week. Just straight up. Has to win it. Otherwise, he's pretty much eliminated. All due respect, that's what happens when you miss a Wimbledon. You miss a significant chunk of the season with injury. But again, that he's even in the Top 20 in the points race speaks to how good he has been when healthy. This is probably the best season of the, what, 27-year-old's now career. And he's going to finish inside the top 20. Uh, well, uh, again, well-positioned to make another push come next season. Good win for him over his fellow Russian Roman Safulin. Again, tough draw for Safulin. It was all going to be tough. You have 22 of the top 25 players in the points race all competing this week, trying to shore up their spot. So good win for Hatchinov, whose weapons were just a little bit too much for his Russian compatriot. And then how about Matteo Arnaldi? I mean, seriously, Arnaldi, a shocking run to the round of 16 at the U.S. Open, obviously beats Arthur Fee, beats Cam Norrie. How about how he's followed it up? qualifies in Beijing, makes round of 16 there, wins two matches in Shanghai, and now a win at a 500-level event in Vienna as well. For a Matteo Arnaldi who, what, coming into the season was 0-4 in tour-level events in his career. He's now 19-13 and 
in tour-level main draw matches this season. And maybe more than anything, you look for a guy who had so much challenger-level success across surfaces. How quickly that across-surface success has translated to the tour level as well. He makes his semifinals on clay and Umag earlier this year. Round of 16 U.S. Open, now an indoor hardcourt victory, albeit over an Albert Ramos, but still an indoor hardcourt victory. Just very quietly, the 22-year-old Italian, 41 in the live rankings, a name that's just going to be around for the remainder of the decade because I don't know if he's lead at anything, but I'll continue to say it. He's not going to beat himself, and he's pretty good at everything. So I think there's a long runway for Matteo Arnaldi as a top 50 player moving forward, and he has certainly shown that down the season's home stretch. Uh, now, again, you look at the final match on day number one in Vienna. A shout-out, of course, to Cam Nori gets a much-needed victory. 6-3 in the third over Philip Misalic. You look for Nori, who's fallen to number 18 in the live rankings. Nori also sitting at 18 in the points race as well. Again, any sort of wins, any sort of rhythm he can find, he'll, he'll take. Brutal round of 16 match, obviously, for him as he'll take on Alex Zverev again. Barring Nori winning both Vienna and Paris, he's not going to the tour finals, but needs wins just to stay the ship down the home stretch. So those are your day one results. Now, again, looking at this draw, ugh, lock in, folks. Medvedev versus Arthur Fee, round number one. Now, you do ask yourself how much will be left in the gas tank for Arthur Fee coming off of the final run last week in Stockholm, where, of course, he did defeat Stefano Tsitsipas in the semifinals. But, man, he has weapons to make Daniil Medvedev's life uncomfortable, and he'll take those swings. He'll push forward. He'll take the space provided by him. That said, we saw Fee struggle with the big serving uh, in the final of Bublik, and Medvedev has the sort of serve that can make Fee's forehand uncomfortable, particularly on indoor hard courts as well. Still, that's a fascinating round one matchup. Speaks to the quality of this draw. You've got Fee versus Medvedev. The winner of that is going to play the winner of Dimitrov Musetti. Two more top 25 players rounding out that quarter will be Hachinov Lachetchka in the round of six how about these first-round matchups? Tsitsipas team. I mean, that's always a fun one. Alex Vukic, who's worked his way into the top 60. He's taken on the rising Thomas Mychak. Mychak, obviously the back-to-back challenger wins before, what, the quarters or semis, I want to say. Uh, last week at the tour level, Karatsev's coming off a of Tokyo final. He'll take on Borna Goyo, who, of course, has been hot of late. Tommy Paul should get through Alex Muller pretty comfortably. But, man... Again, that's that's a good. Uh, by the way, talk about advantageous. After having just a massive opportunity, both he and Alex Diemenauer, Tommy Paul and Alex Diemenauer in Tokyo last week, heading into the quarterfinals. You know, Shelton, Karetsev, Machizuki, like these were the players remaining. Both guy not both guys knocked off in the quarterfinals by Shelton and. Uh, Karats have the eventual finalists, respectively. But man, if you're Tommy Paul, talk about the runway. Stefano Tsitsipas, who's lost what? I think seven of his last 12 or something like that, maybe seven of his last 13 coming into this. That's the seed in your section you were dealt in this loaded draw. If you're Tommy, you're thinking semis looking at this draw and the runway is there. And look, Tommy Paul right now entering the week for what it's worth still top seven in hardcourt victories this season. He is currently about what? 
515, not about, he's 515 points behind 8th place Holger Runa. So even if he wins a title this week, he would still be behind 8th place Runa, and that's regardless of what happens with anyone else in front of him, Runa playing this week in Basel. We'll get to that. If you're Tommy, you kind of need at least a semi to stay competitive in this race and put some pressure on your opponents heading into Paris, or at least give yourself a runway to be competitive there. The draw is there for Tommy. I think it's the most advantageous of the bunch. Again, uh, that's a fascinating quarter. Zverev going to take on Nori in the round of 16. The seed in his section is third seeded Andre Rublev, who's 100 points away. So two victories away is Rublev from clinching his spot in the tour finals. He's going to get in no matter what. He's sitting fine, but a testy first round match. The weapons of Alexi Popper in round one. I mean, the Zverev-Rublev matchup is always fascinating. Rublev's kind of gotten Zverev of late, but obviously Zverev playing far better tennis than he was earlier in the season when those two went head-to-head. Fascinating matchup potentially on the horizon. Then how about the bottom quarter? Ben Shelton versus Yannick Sinner, round number one. Shelton flying from Tokyo. Indoor hard courts are always going to be his best surface with his serve. The question is, how much gas does he have left in the tank taking on a fresh Yannick Sinner? Uh, obviously... If they were both fresh, that draws much more fascinating. In this instance, you'd probably lean Sinner comfortably. You know, Tiafo, the seed in the draw, he's looking to steady the ship after disappointing post-U.S. Open runs. He's going to face Dan Evans. That's a physical round one match. Mofi coming off a title in Antwerp, I believe. He's in this quarter of the draw. Again, it's an excellent draw. Your favorite, Daniil Medvedev, 29.1% according to Tennis Abstract. Sinner, 225 after that. Rublev's at 10.8. Zverev at 9.3. Buckle the seatbelts. Again, massive, massive implications. And I think if you're Tommy Paul, again, the runway's there for him to make a semifinal run. I think he's the only one who pulls off. Oh, I think Zverev does as well. But I think we're going to get a Medvedev, Tommy, Zverev, Sinner semifinal set in Vienna. And by the way, any permutation we get is going to be great because, again, it's a loaded draw. But I'm sticking with the season saying Tommy does make his push this week in Vienna. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on for there in Basel. Again, exceptional draw. Top seed, Holger Runa. Number two seed, Kasper Ruud. They're both in the thick of the points raise. Runa right now occupying that number eight spot. He's currently 55 points ahead. 55, that's it. Points ahead of Taylor Frith, Fritz in nine. You look for Kasper Ruud right now. He's 295 points behind Holger Runa in 10th place. Other guys in this draw relevant to the points race. You've got Hoopy Hercots, who's currently sitting 30 points, uh, excuse me, 40 points behind Kasparud. Alex Diemenauer, another 215 points behind that. And again, you look for Diemenauer. He's about the outer bounds of competition because Diemenauer currently what? I'm doing some quick math in my head. 550 points is Demon behind Holgaruna in eighth. So again, even if he wins this week, he'd still be much like Tommy, 50 points behind Holger going into Paris. But that's one match difference, and that's serious pressure going into the year's final event. All sorts of implications. You look at the round one results. Andy Murray needed this one. He's been on the tough end of a couple of really fun matches of late, but you know hasn't been on the winning end of them. You look for Murray, whether it was in Zhuhai, his loss to Karatsev, the three-set loss to Demon in Beijing, where he had the match points. Obviously, the tough loss to Roman Safulin in Shanghai as well. 
it was just it's good for him to get a win under his belt. Two hours, eighteen minutes, five and four over Yannick Hoffman. Again, only broken twice on the indoor hard courts. This was just shot making at its finest. Two guys comfortable moving forward. Murray had to move forward, take the net away from Hoffman because he is so aggressive when he's in those positions. Good victory for Murray to advance to round number two where a date with Tomas Martin Echeverry awaits Echeverry 6-3 in the third. He knocks out the very much in form of late Sepi Korda. And look, shout out to Echeverry. Quarterfinals, Zhuhai wins a match in Beijing before playing that second round thriller against Kasparu. Now got knocked out by Zheng Zhizhen in Shanghai, but Zheng ultimately made the quarters there. Got knocked out by Machizuki in Tokyo. Machizuki semifinalist there. Echeverry's been solid. Since his obviously massive run to the quarterfinals of Roland Garros, and you look for the 24-year-old Argentinian, he's 31 in the live rankings. It's a good spot for him to be, uh, given the runway he'll have at the start of next season to really pad his stats with some points, given he'll get into everything he wants to and probably be a seed at a lot of them. Good win for Echeverry. Disappointing loss for Corda, but... Court has answered a lot of questions down the season's home stretch. Your other results, Baez in three over O'Connell. Vendin descends Schulp 6-2 in the third over Roberto Bautista Agu. I mentioned this throughout the course of the season, but you feel like this was the year. Things kind of came off the the tracks for RBA 16 and 20 overall in the year. You look for Bautista Agu down to number 64 in the live rankings. And look, the 35-year-old has had an exceptional career. Will we see RBA in the top 50 again? I think he'll peek his head maybe back in there. Will we see him inside the top 25? That era may be over, but talk about a guy who was a top 25 player for a decade straight. I mean, again, how much... I'm going to venture to say Roberto Bautista Gu has probably made $17 million in his... uh, That might be a little high. No, I'm going to stick $17 million. Hey, 17.55. Shout out to me. There's a reason I do this job, folks. It's a darn good career for Roberto Bautista. By the way, it ain't over. You're in the top 100. That's another 250K in first-round slam checks at least. I'm not saying RBA career is done, but, you know, again, he's not the shoe-in third round at a major that he has been for the past 12 years. Vincent Schulp knocking him out 6-2 in the third, and then Jan Leonard Struff 6-4 over Chris Eubanks. You look at the draw here going through each of the quarters. Things have opened up for Holger Runa. Now he's going to take out Amir Mir Kesmenovic, who beat him last week in straight sets in their opening round battle. So we know how difficult it is to beat a player twice in a row. Certainly if you're Runa, you're looking for a little revenge there. After that, the quarter's open. Runa, if he can get through Kesmenovic, Baez on an indoor hard court, you like that surface against him more than any other. You know, again, if it's Murray or Echeverry in the quarterfinals, it's not as though any either of those guys have had exceptional form on hard court this year. So good opportunity for Runa to steady the ship. Good opportunity for all of these guys to make a semifinal indoor hard court push at a 500 level event. I think if you're Andy Murray, who of course has talked openly about his desire to be seated at the majors to ensure, you know, again, life's just a little bit easier for him in those opening rounds. Murray right now is sitting at 40 in the live rankings. If he could make the semifinals this week, now all of a sudden he is in that seed conversation come Australia. And I do think there's a runway for him to do that this week. Sure, I'll pick him to make the semifinals. Why not? You look at the Fritz quarter, 
Fritz going to take on Purcell round one. Stan versus Shevchenko is a fun round one matchup. Felix Ogier, Ali Asim, who needs some wins. Again, he still has a ton of points to defend down the season's home stretch. And Felix has fallen to 27 in the live rankings right now. That is as low as he has been in quite some time. He'll take on Rady round one. If you're Fritz looking to make a push against surpass Runa, Fritz right now currently sitting 55 points behind Holger. Has to love his draw. Again, Purcell round one on an indoor hard court. Stan, Felix, guys who play with pace more so than the fitness. I think that, oh, I mean, again, indoor hard court Felix's pace is difficult against anyone when Felix is playing his best. He just hasn't of late. Fritz has to love this draw to make a push and maybe even surpass Runa for that eight spot. Bottom half of the draw, two seeds, both have played well. Demonauer, Hercots in this section. Again, Struff knocking out Eubanks. He'll play the winner of Hercots, Lajevich. Demonauer going to face Schwartzman round one indoor hardcourt. You know, Demon just beat Schwartzman. You probably lean that way again. Greek Spoor, though, could be a tricky round of 16 opponent for Alex Demonauer. That said, I expect the seeds to hold firm there. And then, look, last week's champion, Sasha Bublik, is the round one opponent for number two seed, Kasper Rude. Those weapons on an indoor hard court will make anyone uncomfortable. The question is, mentally, will Sasha Bublik be there following his title run last week? That's always an open question, even when he hasn't just had a result like this. There's still a chance, by the way, he could pull out. We see a lucky loser, though maybe not this close to the end of the season. Marcos Giron's played really good tennis. He's got a fun first-round match with the inform Ugo Umber. Adrian Manorino right above that will take on Nicolas Yari. By the way, there's a world where Manorino, Umber, they play in the round of 16. The winner of that becomes the highest-ranked Frenchman in the world. Fun little subtopic, subplot to monitor throughout the course of the week in Vienna and down the season's home stretch. You look at the tennis abstract singles forecast, Holger Runa's fourth favorite. It goes Fritz 1 at 19.3%. You've got Hercots 2, 15.9. Demonauer 3, 11%. Then you're at Runa at 6.9. Then you're at second-seeded Kasparud at 6.3. So again, that speaks to the uncertainty in the form of some of these players of late. That Basel draw does feel wide open. Again, the Vienna draw feels like the best players who are playing better right now. That's where they are. The players who are searching for a little bit of form down the season's home stretch, for some reason, they all find themselves in Basel. So those are what we're monitoring. Those two 500-level events this week, Vienna, Basel, four spots still remaining in that Tour Finals race. It's really Rublev at five, all the way to, I'll say, Demonauer at 13 in competition for those final spots. And again, we will be back tomorrow on this show with our dear friend, Tennis.com editorial producer David Kane to make the statistical argument for each of those players players still remaining in the race. In the meantime, if you need more thoughts on all things happening in the tennis world, just scroll down on your mini break podcast feed. We covered Championship Sunday on yesterday's show. So if you need to play catch up, be sure to tune in to that episode. And as always, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of our content. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Wasta, for the <laughs> of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Brackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.